Good morning, his people. Welcome to our online church service again. It's so great to be with you this morning. And I really want to just encourage you to register for the prayer course that is coming up this week. You heard me one day sharing about it. Um, and I can, I, I just want to let you know that Jen and I have actually started the course already. And we've, we've, we've started working through the material. And it's just been so powerful. It has been really so, so authentic, uh, the prayer times Jen and I have been having together as we've just endeavored to put into practice the truths and, and the things that are taught on the prayer course. So I invite all of you to come along. And it's my delight to bring the word to you this morning. And the word that I'm sharing with you this morning, as I was reflecting over the last couple of weeks of lockdown, uh, I, I think the word that I'm bringing this morning is, is really, it's, it's, it's kind of where, where I have been spiritually and, 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 and the kind of things I've been, I've been going after and contending for. So, so let's go into it. And so my message this morning, I've entitled it, Warfaring for Peace. And those two words, warfare and peace, how do they go together? In many ways, they seem like such opposites, warfare and peace. And, and the reality is, if you just think about the world, across the world, over 200 nations, all nations have armies. And, and those armies, you would say, are made for war. I want to contend with you. Most nations would say they have armies because they are committed to peace. They have armies, men, thousands, literally millions of men and women across the world that get trained for war because people believe in peace, because people want peace, because communities thrive in peaceful circumstances. When there is warfare, there is destruction, destruction on lives, economies, uh, communities, etc. But in peace, nations thrive. And, and the reality is, the truth is also applied to our own individual lives. And so, absolutely, we, we want peace in our lives. But that means sometimes we go to war. And I'm not talking about waging war against flesh and blood. I'm not asking you to get a gun or, or, or join an army. The reality is we're in a spiritual warfare. And, and I have been, I've been just so delighted just studying what Jesus had to say about prayer. And so, our key scripture is actually from John 16, verse 33. And verse 33, it's the last verse in the chapter, in chapter 16 of John. Now, you'll remember, in John 17, Jesus prays. So the whole of John 17 is Jesus' high priestly, amazing apostolic prayer for you and me, for, for the church. And then in chapter 18 of John, he goes to Gethsemane, he gets arrested, and he gets crucified. So the significant thing about this verse, verse 33, it's the last bit of teaching, it's the last truth that Jesus gives to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. Just bear this in mind. This is the last thing he says to them before he prays, and then, and then they go to Gethsemane. So let's look, what are, the, what are these words that Jesus said in John 16, 33? And from the Passion Translation, and everything I've taught you is so that 
the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. That's just the first part of the verse. And I just want us to look at this. Remember, Jesus is saying these words, the last teaching does, before he, he goes to the cross. And he speaks here about peace that is in him. And, and, and I'm amazed, I'm amazed that Jesus, on the night before he goes to the cross, has so much peace that he says, this peace that is in me, I want to give, I want to impart to you. That's how much peace he had. I, 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 look, at, I look at this, I look at the truth in the scripture, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, I know why you are known as the Prince of Peace. And if we are going to open any topic about peace, there's nowhere better to look than at Jesus. The night before he's crucified, he's got so much peace. He says, I want to give this to you. But the first line says, he says, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. Everything that Jesus taught, the result, the impact of Jesus' teaching is peace in our lives. And, and so, so, so I, I want us to remember that, that peace isn't necessarily just a one-off prayer. Peace sometimes is identifying and looking in our lives. Where are our lives not in alignment with what Jesus taught? Because I want to submit to you, wherever our lives are not in line or are out of sync with what Jesus taught, what the Bible speaks to us, wherever we are out of sync with that, we will not have peace. And so sometimes, sometimes the journey to peace isn't just, just get your pastor to pray for you. Absolutely get your pastor to pray for you. Sometimes it is, it is identifying what is the truth I'm not living. What is the truth that I'm missing what or, or to put put it another way, what lie am I believing in my heart that is causing this this lack of peace in my life? And I, I was just reflecting on this. I remember, and just in, in, in during this time of quarantine, there were there were one or two days. Maybe I shouldn't say one or two. There were some days where. I was aware of during the day I didn't have peace. There was a there was a tension inside of me, and, I've, and I'm just saying, okay, Jesus, why, what, what's it? And it was so interesting. I could quite often trace it back to maybe I check quickly, just check some news headlines on my phone, and there was something that just was was upsetting. It it was it was maybe negative, etc. And that would affect me, and I would be thinking on some negative news, some negative statistics, or something like that, and it would literally be affecting me. And this Bible says, Jesus says, and everything I've taught you is so that my peace, which is in me, will be in you. And every time when you come back to the Bible, when you come back to the words of Jesus, I would find that my, my heart, uh, again, is settled and comes into peace. But Jesus went on to say, and about this peace, this peace which is in me will be in you. And he says, and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Will give you great confidence. You know, so many people in the world today are looking for confidence. 
There's so many self-help gurus out there who will tell you just quick steps to to, to confidence, you you know, speak to yourself, believe in yourself, and there's truth in all of that. But Jesus actually says over here, and will give you great confidence, that living according to his word gives us peace according to the first part of this verse. And from that peace, a result, an outflow of the peace of living according to Jesus' words is great confidence as we rest in Him. And, and I want to unpack especially this, this resting him, in Him. Look at the, how the rest of the verse goes. It says, For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows. Hey, we all know that. But you must be courageous. For I have conquered the world. Exclamation mark. It is such a radical, radical truth. Such an amazing scripture. When I was reflecting on in this unbelieving world, now we know not everybody has faith in Jesus. So to call the world an unbelieving world is, is just a matter of fact. But I was just convicted. How much of my world, or maybe we should reflect how much of our world, and particularly our inner world, is an unbelieving world. What areas of our lives are we not trusting the Lord in? And I was just saying, okay, those, especially in those places, yo, we're going to experience troubles and sorrows, but we must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Jesus said this about conquering the world the night before he goes to the cross. The whole life he had lived up to that point, 33 years, not once did he give in to temptation. He had the same flesh and blood body that you and I have, and not once did that flesh and blood give in to temptation. And so, yes, he's still going through the cross, and we know he came out victorious. But he had lived the life facing all the hardships, all the trouble, etc. that we could face in life and he conquered. And so and so for any one of us, we are wanting to know where do we find this courage? We've got to look to Jesus and we're going to unpack this a little bit more and we're going to bring it to, to a closure at the end. So I'm not going to unpack that some more. But I, I wanted to go on now. So these words, last teaching Jesus gives to his disciples, he speaks to them about peace. And then he goes to the cross. And the next time Jesus appears to his disciples in the book of John, when they're all together, remember there was around his resurrection, some of them did see him. But the last time he came, the the next time he comes and he speaks to them, is actually in John chapter 20, verse 19 to 23. And let's read it. That evening the disciples gathered together, And because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you! The first word that Jesus says to his disciples when he sees them again after the, the, the whole death and resurrection is the word peace. The very first word. The last thing he had spoken 
before he prayed in the winter Gethsemane, he spoke about peace. We've just read that, John 16:33, And here he speaks about peace again. And we know it, it, it's a no-brainer that the disciples was probably the word they needed to hear the most. They are behind locked doors. They are worried. They saw what happened to their teacher, their leader, Jesus, how he was just so brutally murdered on the cross by, by or the, the, the Jewish leaders. And I am sure they, they were very much aware that the same could happen to them. And so they, they, they had a lot of pressure. And the first word that Jesus says again to them is, Peace to you! Exclamation mark. Verse 20 says, Then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. What a joyful, joyful time it must have been in that upper room. And then, verse 21, Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Now, we must also understand that this is Jewish culture. And to greet with a greeting of peace was the Jewish word shalom. It was a common greeting. But it meant so much more to the disciples coming from Jesus. And, and, and he says again for the second time, peace to you, exclamation mark. And, and to a Hebrew person, the word peace, the word shalom, meant more than just what we understand, peace. In, in English, it literally meant a complete sense of well-being. And Jesus said this twice, and he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And folks, I was so just struck. The call by Jesus on every single believer to go comes from a place of Jesus bringing us to, to a place of peace. And I believe it's an important place for us to be, to hear and know the call of the Lord. To hear it from that place of peace. And, and there is no doubt that the Lord is calling us not just to hear His call and hear His commission from a place of peace, but also that part of how we go in our mission to bring heaven to earth, to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to preach the gospel, that every creature may know the wonderful good news of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. That we go on this mission from a place of peace. We go on this mission in peace, no matter what the circumstances are. Verse 22, then taking a deep breath, He blew on them, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And according to Galatians 5.22, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. And, and, and I believe this is all tying up. I just see this connection. Peace, peace, peace. Three times we've read now peace. And then he gives them the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit enables us to walk in peace. Because because the Bible says that's literally one of the fruits. That's one of the, one of the things that come forth from a person that has received the Holy Spirit is peace. Jesus is now enabling these men to walk in the peace that he's spoken over them. He's said, peace to you. He's, he's giving them his peace, as we saw in John 16, 33. 
And now he's giving the Holy Spirit to enable them to walk in this peace. Folks, this is such a gift from Jesus. And I've, I've been looking at this and I believe the Lord took me to these scriptures because, because as I said in the beginning, I have had to contend for peace. I have personally had to warfare for peace. Why? I mean, for all of us, our worlds have, our worlds have suddenly been turned upside down. I, I remember when we had our first leaders meeting after lockdown was announced. And usually we have an agenda of calendar. And I just said to them, I said, guys, calendar, just, I've got nothing to say on the calendar. I don't know what the calendar is going to look like. I don't know how many of you have been able to achieve the goals or, or things that you've set out for this year. But it's been turned upside down. And in times like that, it, it's a no-brainer. We experience unpeace, lack of peace, turmoil. Um, and, so, and so I have had to contend for peace for my, for my own life personally. And I'll unpack and I'll share some of my stories as we go on through this message. But let's go on. And I wanted to share this story. It's a story by, it's actually Rabbi Edwin Friedman. And uh, it, there was actually a book, it's, it's, it's a collection, it's called Friedman's Fables. And it's a collection of this rabbi's stories. And, and this, uh, this rabbi, Edwin Friedman, he's actually passed away. But, but when he used to teach, he told amazing stories. And they, and they were known as Friedman's Fables where he had this amazing gift to be able to tell stories, to bring across truth to the people that he was talking to. And I actually heard about this from Pete Cazorra um, in, his, uh, in his book, um, uh, Emotionally Healthy Leaders. And, and I was so struck by the story. And, and, and let me just tell you the story. I'm actually going to read it to you. I've, I've actually printed it. And I'm going to read the story to you. And then I'm just going to speak a little bit about the story. So it's the story of the lamb and the tiger. So there's a little picture of a tiger and there's a lamb. So let's read the story. It's not long, but uh, let's just get into it. Once upon a time, in the friendly forest, there lived a lamb who loved to graze and frolic about. One day, a tiger came to the forest and said to the animals, I would like to live among you. They were delighted. Unlike some of the other forests, they, they had no tiger in their forest. The lamb, however, had some apprehensions, which, being a lamb, she sheepishly expressed to her friends. But, they said, don't worry, we will talk to the tiger and explain that one of the conditions for living in this forest is that you must also let the other animals live in the forest. So the lamb went about her life as usual, but it was not long before the tiger began to growl and make threatening gestures and menacing motions towards the lamb. Each time the frightened lamb went to her friends and said, it's very uncomfortable for me here in the forest. But her friends just reassured her and said, don't worry, that's just the way tigers behave. They pointed out that no harm had really befallen her and that perhaps she was just being a little bit too sensitive. So the lamb again tried to put the tiger out of her mind, but every now and then, usually when she was least prepared, the tiger would give her another start. 
Finally, the lamb could not take it anymore. She decided that much as she loved the forest and her friends, the cost was just too great for her. So she went to the other animals in the woods and said goodbye. Her friends would not hear anything about this. Surely this whole thing can just be worked out. There's probably just some misunderstanding that can easily be resolved if we all sit down together and communicate. Though one of the less subtle animals in the forest was overheard making this remark. I have never heard of anything so ridiculous. If you want a lamb and a tiger to live in the same forest together, you don't try and make them communicate. You put the tiger in a cage. You put the tiger in a cage. And, and I read the story to my wife um, a, little, a little while ago. And she knows the story. I've mentioned it to her before. Uh, but she did ask me, well, what has that got to do with warfare and peace? And I explained to her, the reality is that with a tiger making menacing growls and gestures to the lamb, that little lamb had no peace in that forest. And there was no hope of the lamb actually having peace because a tiger does not change its stripes. And so, as, as the one animal said, there's only one solution. You've got to put the tiger in the cage. Cage the tiger. And there are, there are sometimes, there are sometimes that we need to take action with things that are causing us unpeace, that are threatening us, and, and whether that is a community. This, and uh, Pete Cazorro, as a pastor, was actually speaking to leaders and to pastors and saying, every community has values. And if somebody had to come into that community of believers and threaten the values or violate the values that, that really holds that community together, you can talk and you can talk. But if that person doesn't embrace the values of that community, surely that person can't live and thrive in that community because they would be disrupting uh, that community. And there are times, and, and Pabisco was speaking to pastors, and so there are times that you as a pastor need to cage the, the tiger and actually say no. And putting in boundaries and saying no is absolutely essential, not just for uh, faith communities, but it's absolutely essential for every single person. Jerry Scazzaro, I was listening to her talk about boundaries, and she actually said, she said, she said, you know, I was once asked, who are the people that would want to violate your boundaries? And she said, well, actually everybody. <laughs> because, because people aren't always aware of how their actions and attitudes may impact on others. And it's our individual responsibility to establish boundaries and sometimes to say, no, I can't do that. I'm not willing to do that for whatever reason. Cage the tiger. And, and, this, and sometimes putting the cage in the tiger is not easy. I don't know how you grab a tiger and put it, but I can only think that there, there needs to be some action, some intentionality. It may not look pretty, but sometimes you need to cage the tiger. 
And, and that's what I'm talking about. For, for there to be peace in this forest, that is the action that needs to be taken. That's the point of the fable, and that's the point of the story. And I just want to uh, mention this quote over here by J. Donald Walters. He said this, You will find peace, not by trying to escape your problems, the landlord's trying to just run away, but by confronting them courageously. You will find peace, not in denial. Putting some things under the carpet doesn't make them go away. Some things you need to confront. Sometimes you need to cage the tiger. And uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said this, It isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. And work is one of those four-letter words that require effort. Getting a tiger in a cage sometimes requires work, requires effort. What does it look like for you? For me, sometimes, it was those days where I would have to take some time, fill myself and say, why am I feeling upset right now? And I would identify, I remember one morning, it was, it was definitely some news that I had read that had upset me. There was another time, I was quite aware of this, I, I saw a message had come in, and, and I hadn't even read the message when I saw where this message had come from. I actually was upset because I... I, I, had, I wasn't sure what it was about, but, but right there, I, I, I became aware of it. I was like, okay, I'm feeling a bit grumpy now. I'm upset. I'm, I'm a bit touchy right now. What is it? And I realized, I realized I needed to cage the tiger with a message. I needed to actually confront it. I needed to go to, open the message, read it. I needed to cage the tiger. With some news events, etc., sometimes it is having to bring it to the Lord in prayer, commit it to the Lord, and move to, in, into a place of faith where you're trusting God for, for, for that particular situation. I want to go on. And this concept of appeasement, as I've been thinking about caging the tiger and warfaring for peace, this whole concept of appeasement um, just, just, just came to mind. And, and I want to mention just the, 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 the historical reality of appeasement in the 1930s, just before the Second World War. The, the British and French government, literally their foreign, foreign policy was known as appeasement towards Hitler and, and his, uh, his, 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 um, his government in, in, in Germany. And Hitler was constantly pushing the boundaries, not even pushing the boundaries, overstepping the boundaries. He wasn't meant to put military forces in the Rhineland. In 1936, he sent his forces into the Rhineland. Then he went and annexed Austria. What did, what did the uh, Chamberlain, the Prime Minister of England do? He let him do it. Then he went and he annexed uh, parts of Czechoslovakia, the German-speaking part. And then um, he, he, went, uh, he went further and actually annexed the whole of uh, Czechoslovakia. And what did the British and French governments do? They let him do it. And, and let me just put up this little definition. And this was actually a child definition, but I thought this works for me. What is appeasement? Trying to avoid conflict by giving a bully everything they want. Lying the tiger just to roam freely and do what he wants? I don't think it's always the best idea. The policy of giving in to demands in order to preserve the peace. That's more the, the proper, proper definition. Or to prevent further disagreement by giving to the other side something that they have demanded. I want to say, 
And and today today appeasement is 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 noted as a foreign policy disaster. It's actually interesting that Winston Churchill he wasn't in government at that stage, but uh, when when Germany actually were allowed to take over Czechoslovakia, his comments uh, about that were his his words were this is an unmitigated unmitigated disaster. And and I want to submit to you sometimes we think by just giving in. Allowing the, the, the tiger to roam free is actually the best thing. But sometimes appeasement is not the peace that God wants for us. I remember Pete Cazorra was sharing about um, short-term pain versus long-term pain. And he said they, he's experienced so many of this in his life. Where, where you kind of allow the tiger to roam free. And then the long-term pain is the consequences because ultimately the tiger has munched some lambs, etc. And now you have much bigger issues to deal with rather than the short-term pain of actually grabbing a hold of the tiger and putting him in the cage and preventing long-term damage. And so long-term pain versus short-term pain. It is, it is, it is appeasement versus the warfare of warring for peace. Long-term peace versus short-term peace. They chalk and cheese, and it's just something we really need to look at. C.S. Lewis said this, Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. Sometimes we just try and avoid it, but having peace in difficulties is what Jesus actually promised us. And Sheila Walsh said this, Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Isn't that what John 16.33, my peace I give to you. And as we rest in Christ, we experience his peace. I want to I wanna just finish off with something uh, also. And this stuff I've, I've been wanting, this, this stuff I've been working through personally. And last year we did the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses uh, in our church. And we covered some of this. And the whole concept of the iceberg. The iceberg is um, when it floats in the ocean, 90% of it is under the water, unseen. Only 10% of it is on, on top. And that is really a picture of many of our lives. We only see the world and people around us, only see 10%, only see the outer part of us, but the majority of our lives is that 90% of the iceberg under the water. But for many of us, we don't take time to look at what's going on under the water. And if we are going to warfare for peace, we have to look under, under, under the surface. We have to look at that 90% of our lives, of our inner lives, and say, Lord, what is going on under the, under the surface over here? And so these are things, that some of the things that we actually covered in, in, in these Emotionally Healthy uh, Discipleship courses we did last year. And, and so I just wanted to go over it because I have been revisiting this and we have as a family, and I'll show you how we have, just some truths about emotions. Firstly, emotions are like the dials on a car dashboard. It's not wise to ignore them. The dials are not the engine. It's not the steering wheel or the wheels. It's not the main thing. But ignore, for example, the fuel gauge at your peril. Ignore the heat gauge at your peril. It is important. And so in the same way, emotions, we don't live by them. But to ignore them is not wise. And why do I say that? Because unprocessed emotions don't die they end up leaking out. And, and we all know people that have those leaky emotions. 
people who are grumpy and crotchety and and have a bad attitude and it's it's it's, it's often it's like oh something's not right you're not quite quite sure what's going on here and and often the person isn't even quite aware that they have unprocessed emotions and these things are leaking out of them healthy community requires that people know themselves how can I have a healthy marriage with my wife? If I can't communicate with her, how I'm feeling, what's going on inside of me, what's the 90% of my life looking like? And so that's so essential for healthy community. And finally, feelings help us discern God's voice. And this is this has been amazing for me personally. I remember going to, going to a, a particular meeting. And on my way to the meeting, I just, I just was aware of 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 feeling stuff that I couldn't even put a put a handle on, and and I, I I love the saying about if you can name it, you can tame it. And and when I was going to the meeting, I I wasn't feeling good. I was I was unsettled. This was I was unsettled, but I couldn't. But I actually afterwards I went to the Lord, and 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 understanding this that feelings help us discern God's voice. She went to the Lord and I, and I took it before him and I said, Lord, what was going on there? What? And I realized, I, the Lord spoke to me and I had to take some action. I had to do some tiger taming. But the key for me to, to actually deal with that was I actually realized, hey, why am I feeling unsettled about this particular meeting? So it's just amazing how the Lord can use this area as a light. He can speak to us many ways. Let's not ignore this way. And this is where, where I want to go. And we've been doing this as a family. Ask yourself, how is God coming to me through how I'm feeling? Just four simple questions. What are you angry about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? What are you glad about? We've actually started doing this, this uh, during this lockdown period. When we have meals, we don't do every meal, uh, but we've, we've been doing this. And just with the kids, we, we kind of simplify it. We we ask, what are you uh, what are you glad, sad, or mad about? They all rhyme, okay? Glad, sad, or mad, and it, 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 it's similar, but it's easy to remember. And and the thing is, we're teaching our children also to be able to come up, become aware of what's going on inside of them. And as a family living in close confines for many weeks, we are going to make each other mad or sad or glad. And it's important that we talk about that. We want to train our kids not to suppress these things that are leak out and bad attitudes, but for them to actually talk about it. And, and just this week, there was something that my son was very disappointed about. But he didn't actually mention it. And, and it was something to do with Jenny. And Jenny had, had, had taken some action as a mom, uh, something in the family she had dealt with. But my son felt a deep sense of injustice. And I, I realized, and I mentioned to Jen, I mentioned to Jen, Donna feels that was unjust. And, but Jen didn't realize, didn't pick it up. Anyway, Jen and Donna had a really good chat about it. And you know, that night when we came and said, what are you sad, mad, or glad about? He actually brought it up, but he brought it up in the past tense. He said, look, I was mad about that but I'm not mad anymore. Him and Jane were able to sort it out. And it was so helpful, helpful. It was so healthy for them to actually just just have be able to talk about this. And so so as community, we need to do this. The stuff you do with the Lord so that you can live as a healthy individual with people around you, communicate 
just just what you're feeling and 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 deal with things. I want to say just some funny things just about anger because often when we when we close confines and especially with guys, this is this is something that is often not understood. Anger is often a surface emotion; it's on the top, but it's but it's important that it doesn't. We don't look on the surface. Remember the iceberg thing. We're going to look below the surface. And what is it? Look at what is behind the anger and ask yourself two questions. Sorry. Ask yourself two questions. What am I afraid of? What am I hurt or sad about? What am I hurt? What is hurting you? What am I sad about? I want to submit to you both of those are questions guys in particular find difficult to face, difficult to admit. It's easier just to be angry on the surface. But we need to go behind the anger. Look below the surface. And the Lord is the Prince of Peace. If we will come to Him with these things, He will speak life. His Spirit will, will bring peace in these areas that we can actually deal with our anger. I want to conclude with, with a story from Mark 5.34. And it's the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. I love the story. Stories told of just these crowds around Jesus. And, and, and she, if you read the Bible, the, the Bible says that she had literally been, been, been tormented by doctors, all of them trying to deal with a problem for many years. But she had faith that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And in the crowd, these people pressing around him, and she reached and she grabbed the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped immediately and he said, Who touched me? And it must have been such an interesting moment. Everybody's like, Jesus, there's like so many people. How can you say, Who touched me? And he said, No. I felt virtue. He literally said, I felt power flowing out of me. And immediately the Bible says, The woman came and says, It was I. And, and look at what this verse says, verse 34. And he, Jesus, said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Amazing thing. This woman came to Jesus in faith. And she left with two things. She left, she came in faith, and she left in peace. But she also left with her healing. It's amazing. And, and, and I want to submit to you, and I want to actually close with this, that faith is, is such a key to walking in peace. This woman came to you seeking healing. She came in faith. But Jesus said, go in peace. And she left in peace. And this is, this is my last scripture. John 1, sorry, 1 John 5, verse 46. It says, You see, every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Question mark. Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Again, I said in the beginning, this, this, Jesus said in John 6.33 that I have overcome the world. And this verse I said I would conclude and come around, back around to this. So who are, the, who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Verse 4 says, You see, every child of God overcomes the world, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Our faith. Just as the woman came to Jesus, she came in faith. And folks, this is amazing about faith. Faith unlocks so much more. Our faith is in Jesus. We come to Jesus in faith. We will always leave with peace. Peace is our inheritance. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And I want to, I want to ask you, come with me on this journey. This journey of contending. This journey of, of warfaring for peace. Peace Jesus came to give us. And it's something he wants us to walk in. And as we walk in our calling, we, Jesus wants us to walk in the peace. And the, and the standard of that peace is the same peace that Jesus walked in. The same peace he had the night before he went to the cross. So much peace that he says, I want to give this peace to you. And I want to pray for everyone right now. I want to pray. I want you to just imagine that, that you were Jesus in that upper room. And he's about to pray that incredible prayer of John 17. And, and he says, I give you my peace. Not as the world gives, I give you my peace. And so, Lord Jesus, we come to you. Lord, as you spoke to your disciples in that upper room and you said your peace. Lord, we ask for your peace, Jesus. That peace you promised in John 16, verse 33. We ask for every one of us, Lord, for your peace. And God, may we, may we with you do the work of, of looking in your word and of, identif of identifying places in our lives where we're not living according to your word. Lord, those are places that we, we, we won't experience peace. And Lord, may we come in alignment with your word. Lord, may we, may we come in alignment with your teaching, Lord, that we may have your peace in every area of our lives. Lord, we want to go in this calling, this great calling to bring heaven to earth. We want to walk in that calling of peace, Lord. We want to walk like you did, Lord. The peace that passes or surpasses understanding. I pray for this for every single one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Shalom. I speak the complete sense of God's well-being and favor upon you. Shalom, his people. God bless you.